Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, One Bills Live, and we know what that means. It's our weekly visit from senior producer from NFL Films and co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. It's Greg Cosell joining us, and his weekly segment is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Greg, a lot has been made of Josh Allen's turnovers from last week, and we understand why it gives Bills fans angst. I will, <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, the Bills, when they have three turnovers or more, are four and one this season, and three of those four wins have come in the last three weeks. I know they yep. might be playing with fire here, Greg, but this is a team that seems to find a way to get around it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, no one wants turnovers, and you have to look at each one. I've always believed as a separate issue. You can't just look at a number on a page. Uh, as we know, no coach wants turnovers. Um, but, you know, they're a really interesting offensive team. I think both you guys would agree that when you think of, let's say, timing, rhythmic offenses, like the Niners come to mind, you probably wouldn't put the Bills in that category, but yet they score a lot of points every week. And it's it's they're kind of a to me, they're almost an aberration at times. They're just different. But, you know, they're very quarterback centric, um, maybe even more so, amazingly enough, more recently, because Josh has really been pushing the ball down the field. I mean, that first interception to Xavier Howard was definitely on Josh. That's on him because mm-hmm. that was actually a flood concept. And he wanted to get the ball to Dawson Knox and Knox was covered. And John Brown is really a clear out on that play. And the ball should never go to John Brown. But, you know, Josh thinks like that. That's the way he plays the game. But he also makes plays and throws that others won't make. I mean, the touchdown he threw to Gabe Davis, which I guess put them up by 10 at that time, correct? Yes, Yes, I believe that made it 34-24. I'm not sure how many guys even attempt that throw, much less make that throw. So, obviously, it's a balancing act. Their offensive times looks a little... I always try to think of the right word, you know, fractured, uh, whatever the word might be, but it's yet they score a lot of points. Yeah, we. I've been throwing this stat around. Anybody who listened, Matty Glab gave it to me. The Bills are 4-1 and one in games where they turn the ball over three times or more. Three times. Yep. If they turn it over three times, they're 4-1 and one in games like that. The rest of the league is 12-62. and 62. So sure. you can say that they're you know living on borrowed time. You can slice it any way you want to. 
But to me, that shows an enormous margin of error for this offense that maybe other teams don't have. And maybe that is a reflection of Josh and his ability to make plays. But they never lose a game by more than a couple of points. If they do, it's an overtime touchdown. And they're 25-4 and over their last 29 games. I mean, they are a tough team to beat. And Josh and his big play and these throws that he makes are a big reason why. Without question. I mean, think back. When was the last time they had a bad game? Wouldn't you say that was Indianapolis early last season? Midway through last season. I mean, other than that, I I don't think they've had a game where even when they've lost, and they haven't lost many, as you said, Steve, they don't lose. by. They're never out of games. Um, And say what you want about Josh, but he's the kind of quarterback that makes it so that you're never out of games. I mean, how many times in the fourth quarter has he led drives? And the interesting thing about that is he's led a lot of drives in the fourth quarter, which have been in some ways what would be considered anti-Josh. In other words, long, lengthy, methodical, patient drives, right, Brownie? I yep. mean, you look at the Detroit game. You Second look at Miami the um, the Miami game in, in, in Buffalo when it started to snow in the fourth quarter. Those are sort of anti-Josh drives the way most people think of Josh. You know, those those are patient drives. So, you know, you can say what you want. Um, and, and look, you guys know as well as I do, there are certainly some concerns on offense. I wouldn't say it's the most talented offense in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination overall. But they they win games and they play and, and, and they never get blown out. Yeah. Looking at some of Josh's numbers from last week, though, Greg, he attempted 21 throws of 10 yards or more, 13 throws of 20 yards or more. For for those that don't know, that's a fat number. And I know it's because Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins, for some reason decided, I'm going cover zero. I mean, he went cover zero on third and 15, Greg. We never see that. Um, Blitzed on 40% of his dropbacks. Do you attribute – what Miami was doing is the sole reason why Josh was chucking it down the field as much as he was. Um, look, I think we know, Brownie, that Josh has a really aggressive mentality. That, that's probably not likely to change. So the opportunities presented themselves. He's going to take those opportunities. The third and 15 you mentioned was the 52-yarder to Diggs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he saw, you know, cover zero. He had Diggs matched on Howard and, and Diggs ran right by him. Um, and he made a great throw. Those are the throws that he makes. Um, but I certainly think that his mentality is such that he's going to do that more often than not. You wonder if, if uh, you know, earlier in the year, I would say, and I think you guys would agree, there were more rhythmic type throws where the ball was coming out and there were more sort of sustaining type throws. They still hit big plays, but overall there were more sustaining throws. Now, the other thing to keep in mind if, you know, if Dawson Knox doesn't drop the touchdown and Shakir doesn't drop that, he probably throws for, what, 425 yards, something like that? Right. You know, so, you know, it's very difficult to say that he did not have a good game given the the number of plays that he did make. How do you think the Bills' offense has evolved over the course of this year under Ken Dorsey? I mean, they started out, they hung 31 on the defending world champions in week one hung 41 on the number one seed Tennessee Titans in week two and went on from there. Then later on, you know, 38 to three over Pittsburgh early when, you know, the Steelers weren't quite themselves, but this is, you know, this is a team that was, you know, came out really efficiently early in the season. How has this evolved? And and I get it. Miami game was a little bit of an aberration because of the defense they played, but you know, what do you think this offense has grown into this season with Ken Dorsey? You know, 
I, look, I can only be honest based on, on, on film study. And I would say this. I would say that it's probably too dependent on Josh Allen. And because he's so highly skilled, I would still make the argument that in terms of pure physical talent, he's the best quarterback in the league. Now, others can discuss whether he's, quote unquote, the best overall. But just in terms of pure physical traits, I, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. Um, but I think they're so reliant on him. And and here's here's how I would answer that as far as the run game. I don't think there's a big connection between their run game and their pass game, Steve. You know, I don't think, you know, you look at some teams and you see that the pass game, a lot of the concepts can work off what they do in the run game. I don't think that's really the case with Buffalo. And I don't know why that is. I, you know, I, I never place blame on coaches. I'm not there through the process. So since I'm not there, I have no idea what's discussed or what's not discussed or what the process is. But I would say that, that that's one area that just watching tape and seeing every team that's something I think I'd like to see more of a, a better, you know, I've used this word a couple of times this week and people have laughed at me. You know, they say, well, that's a big word to talk about football, but there's not a lot of synchronicity between the run game and the pass game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think you'd, you'd like to see more of that. It might open up some more opportunities in the pass game that are easier throws where you don't have to push it down the field, you know, uh, but I think that this offense has evolved, Stephen, to where they do push it down the field a lot. And Josh attempts a lot of those throws. And because he can make them and at times does, you know, it, it, it seems like everything's OK. I mean, the bottom line is this is the best third down offense in the NFL. And what does everybody say about third down? It's the quarterbacks down. So something is, is being done that's right. But sometimes when you watch tape, it just seems like it's it's erratic let's let's yeah. put it that way right let's uh talk a little bit about Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo a guy that yep. loves to uh disguise through tendency yep. breaking um you know he'll he'll try to anticipate or or he'll self scout himself realize what his tendency are tendencies are is break the tendency and yet disguise it some other way to confuse opposing quarterbacks is it safe to say that Josh and Ken Dorsey are absolutely going to have to adjust in game this week maybe more than ever I would say that's fair you know again you, you don't know until the game's played but that's been Lou Anaramo's uh, MO you know we've seen him make meaningful adjustments adjustments throughout the course of the game certainly when they play Kansas City that comes to mind um, but when all said and done they end up playing a lot of single high safety and I think there's ways to attack that. Um, and I think you have to think in those terms that you have to have some three high beaters. Um, they play a lot of, of cover three. You know, there's route concepts such as flood, um, which we've seen with, with the Bills. They they tried to get Dawson Knox involved with those route concepts. I can remember the 45-yarder against Miami in that same game where it snowed in the fourth quarter. That was against cover three. Um, I remember he hit digs for 19 yards, I believe it was, against New England early in that game against cover three on, on another flood type concept you know you, there's always routes to attack certain coverages um i guess it'll depend on how the game goes brownie on, on what luana ramo does i mean you know if the bills all of a sudden you know have 14 points after three drives he probably has plan b ready to go you know if all of a sudden we're in the second quarter and it's a 6-3 game he probably feels like there's not a lot he has to change yeah give me an idea of what you thought about uh, the bills defensive secondary in this last game in the wild card against uh, Miami. Certainly, Skylar Thompson was not going to 
maybe light it up. But uh, how did the Bills play the Dolphins with the two really – the two most dangerous guys on the field for the Dolphins were their two wideouts. And it was just a question of whether Skylar Thompson was going to be able to give him the ball enough. Um, What what were your thoughts about the way the Bills' secondary held up? Well, I thought they they knew that, and their highest percentage coverage was split safety zone, um, which was dominant on third down, although there were selective snaps of man coverage, snaps of two-man, cover one robber. Um, I thought that uh, I, I thought that once Elam came in, I thought he played well. Um, I thought that was the, the kind of game where, you know, watching his tape in college, being long, athletic, um, you know, I thought he played well. You know, you, you're always going to get a solid performance from White. Um, you know, every once in a while, you're going to get beat by guys who can run like that. That happens. Um, they're going to need a really good performance again against three really good receivers. Um, and you know, you guys know how I feel about Teron Johnson. I think he's one of the best slot corners in the game. They obviously think so in Buffalo because he plays every snap. Um, you know, the the interesting matchup to me in this game, guys, is the Bills pass rush. They need to generate some kind of pass rush against three backup offensive linemen. Now, the the Bengals know this, and and Burrow the last two weeks has been very conservative. He's been getting the ball out. He hasn't taken the vertical shots, which we've seen throughout much of the year. And by the way, that doesn't mean he's not going to do that this week. You never know. All bets are off. It's a playoff game. You don't know. All you have is what has happened prior, but you don't know what's going to happen in this game Um, because Burrow throughout the year – until recently, was very aggressive. When he had what he saw as one-on-one outside the numbers, he would take vertical shots and give Higgins and Chase a chance to make plays. Uh, so he certainly could do that again. But I think their their D-line pass rush, uh, however they choose to do it, whether it's four down linemen, whether it's three down linemen with either Milano or Edmonds adding in as the fourth rusher, not the fifth rusher, the fourth rusher, you know, somehow they have to get pressure. They have to defeat that O-line. Speaking of their offense, Greg, running the football has been a slog for them all season long, whether they were healthy or not. Now they're not healthy. How much does that cater to the Bills' defense potentially making the Bengals more one-dimensional than maybe they already are? And I think that's critical, Brownie, because they do try to run it. It's not as if they never try to run it. Um, And so you have to – you have to stop them so you get to the second and longs and the third and, and longs where at least their play calling will become more predictable. That has to be a, a major part of this game. This can't be the week that they get their run game going if you're a Bills fan. Right. Um, so that's critical because, look, every coach in the league will tell you if you can get into long yarded situations, you feel like as a defensive coordinator that you have the advantage. Your playbook becomes wider and bigger and there's more things you can do. We've seen Milano be really effective as a blitzer. We've seen Edmonds now being used at times as a blitzer. Teron Johnson coming off the slot, off the edge. So they, they've done a nice job with their selective use of pressure because as you guys know, they're not a high percentage blitz defense, but they do it selectively and they do it well. And what do you think that looks like against this offensive line? When they had the injury and Jonah Williams had to leave the game with a dislocated kneecap, it seemed to me Cincinnati's offense really dropped off. They stopped moving the ball consistently, and they stopped scoring scoring points. Uh, I guess the question is why? Well, they they're, they got very conservative. Keep in mind, the longest pass play last week by Burrow was 19 yards. Right. That that rarely ever happens. 
So, you know, they've gotten conservative. Um, obviously, they played an offense last week that was not likely to put up a lot of points. We'll see what happens this week. I mean, look, all we have is what's transpired up to this point. There's not many games. I mean, can you recall a game where the Bills scored 10 points? I mean, you know, you would think that the Bengals are going to have to score in the 20s to to compete and win this game, which, by the way, they can. I mean, this is not a gimme. You guys know that. Um, but the point is, is they're going to have to score. And, you know, and unless the Bills really give them short fields, which could happen, obviously, um, they're going to have to move the ball and they're going to have to score. And normally to do that with any kind of consistency, you need some kind of explosives in your offense. And they really haven't played that way the last couple of weeks. Greg, do you have any other game besides this one that kind of intrigues you based on the uh. matchups? <laughs> Because this um, one, seen, I think most people feel this is the marquee one, just because of the two young quarterbacks involved. But is there a is there a one? I would agree. Um, well, just being in the Philly area, I'm obviously fascinated by the Philly game. But I would say the San Francisco uh, Dallas game, probably from a tactical perspective, I find really intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if this is the end of the road for Brock Purdy, who has been remarkably efficient as a starter, but I don't think he's seen a pass rush like this before. Yeah, but I, I will say this, Brownie, and you could be right. You, know, you never know how a game plays out. And if they get into long yardage, you could 100% be right. But the, but the way the 49ers play offense, I think that actually puts a lot of pressure on Dallas because Dallas is very multiple up front and they have a really good pass rush that attacks in many ways. But that's more of their second and long, third and long deal. Yeah. You know, if the Niners can stay ahead of the change, which they do as well as any team in the league, as you know, then I'm really curious to see how Dallas plays because that's not how they want to play on defense. They want to be in an attacking mode and the Niners with the way they play offense, really prevent defenses from being in an attacking mode. Why can't NFL defenses make Brock Purdy look bad? Well, I think there's probably a couple of reasons for that. Number one, the Niners play a ton out of 21 personnel yeah. with two backs, Juszczyk, and a tight end. So what do NFL defenses do in response for the most part? They play their base defense, whatever it may be. In Dallas's case, it's big nickel with three safeties. But as you know, Steve, most teams' pressure fronts and pressure concepts don't come out of base. They come out of their sub. So a lot of teams get stuck. They they they're not sure how to match up. Do do we play base? And then you know we could get stuck in the pass game. You know with the way they can line up McCaffrey and Samuel all over the formation. Do we play nickel because we're worried about all these pass weapons, but then we get mauled in their run game. But the bottom line point is most teams pressure packages do not come out of their base personnel. Right. Yeah. So they have, they, they have struggled. I mean, teams struggle to put pressure on Purdy because they don't have the right people on the field. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, sure. Can you pressure out of base? Of course you can, but that's not the way most teams are structured. Um, and then you, the other factor you have is when they're in 21 personnel, they have five eligible receivers, including Juszczyk. Now he's part of this, that can line up anywhere in the formation. 
So now all of a sudden, you know, you line up defensively and here's McCaffrey split and here's Kittle split on the other side and here's Samuel in the backfield and here's Juszczyk in the slot. And all of a sudden now you get into communication issues. So what do teams do, Steve, as you well know, because you played in a spread offense that probably forced defenses to do the same thing. What do they do? They line up in what we call their default defense. And the 49ers know what that default defense is going to be with pretty much every team. So what does that do, Steve? It gives Purdy more information pre-snap. And that's what you're trying to do with your quarterback. Yeah, especially when mm-hmm. he's a rookie. So Greg, wait, yeah. one last thing. So is Purdy has Purdy played as well as the other quarterbacks who he backed up? Is he playing as good as Garoppolo did? Is he playing as good as Trey Lance did before they got hurt? Is he the best guy that has taken snaps for them this year? Uh, I would say the answer is probably yes, and there's two reasons for that real quick. Number one, he is very athletic and light on his feet, so he's added the play-action boot game and the second reaction game, movement game, which Garoppolo could not give them. Right. Mm. All right. Great stuff, Thanks, Greg. Greg. Thanks, as always. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right, guys. Look forward to next week. Yeah, we'll see you then. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of the... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. ESPN NFL matchup show. You know, you talk... (laughs) We've talked about this game ad nauseum this week. I don't know if I have any greater clarity on it. Like, I, th- I have some notions as to what I think could happen, <laughs> but it's like Greg says, too. Like, all we know is what has transpired over the course of the season, and we try to apply that to what could happen in this game, but we, we have no clue. It's amazing. No clue. I give I give the Giants a better chance to go into Philly and upset the Eagles. You as- do as a six seed than I do the Jaguars going into Kansas City and upsetting the one seed. What do you like about the Giants? Just they're, they don't make mistakes. I mean, you saw the Jaguars throw four interceptions in the first half last week. Yeah, that's not good. Um, you don't see the Giants do that. And the Giants do things that other teams do not, like the Buffalo Bills do. Daniel Jones will tuck it under his arm and run. He's part of their run game. And they have Saquon Barkley, who is a beast out of the backfield. They have the ability to control the pace of their offense. That's true. And I don't know. And they don't really. And so the Eagles' pass rush is a little bit negated by that. So I like that matchup. The Jaguars, I don't know if the Well, maybe they can. Maybe the Jags can go in and score with the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Because that's what you got to do, right? I mean, mean, we found that out. Everybody's pointing to the first meeting between the Chiefs and the Jaguars, which happened earlier this season, and 
you know, Mahomes went off for four touchdown passes and they kind of left him behind. Right. I it think turned, the Jaguars are a much different team now, though. It was a 27-17 game. Yeah. And I, the Jags are a different team. Right. I think they're a much better yeah. team now than they were back then. So I'm not saying they're going to go in there and win, but I don't think, I think it's going to be close. Though. I do, too. It'll I be competitive. Um, the coaching staff is, I think, Doug Peterson's excellent. I think he's Andy excellent. Andy Reid Disciple. And he, he's excellent because he has his hand on the pulse of that. He really gets his team. He did that at Philly, too, when they won the, the, the Super Bowl. And he also has it in Jacksonville. And now they're starting to respond and play well underneath, around him. So I don't know if their roster is where Kansas City's is and they're going to have enough horses to get it done. But that's the game plan, I think, if you're Jacksonville. You've got to score with those guys. Yeah. That one could be a shootout, too. We have to take a break here. When we come back, we'll crack open the OBL Friday fan mailbag, answer some of your questions here next on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live, cracking open the OBL Friday fan mailbag. And we lead off with Mark, who asks, why are we not seeing the type of passing game that we saw against the Rams? Short to intermediate passes, then occasional shots and deep routes, deep crossers, deep comebacks, deep outs, etc. Well, I mean, a lot of times your approach is largely based on the coverage you're seeing and the approach of the opposing defense. The old take-what-they-give-you kind of deal. And... You know, I would expect the Bengals to probably mix in a little single safety high, but after watching Josh chuck it for 352 yards and three touchdowns last week, they may be more apt to play some other coverages as well so as not to invite him to beat them over the top because I'll just say this, their corners are good. They're not outstanding. Eli Apple, Cameron Taylor Britt, a rookie. I mean, they're all right. You know what I mean? Like, you want to play with that fire? Play single safety high yeah, a lot? I, mean, I don't know. Most teams don't do it very often. Uh, they all do it at some point, but they don't do it very often for obvious reasons. It's a, you know, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice defensively, uh, no matter how good your corners are. And I think, yeah, I'm with you. The, this, we're all, we live in a world of overreactions. Yeah. And the, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Josh is throwing it deep every single time he drops back to pass. I'm like, listen, you do you remember when it came out, Pat Mahomes, they're asking him, I go, how's can we throw it deep? And he goes, listen, if I look out and one of my guys is single covered on the outside, I'm throwing him the ball. And I'm going, we're going deep. I am giving him a chance. Yeah. That's it. So Josh has got Steph Diggs, one of the top three or four wideouts in the game. Yeah, he's going to give the guy a chance. Gabe Davis, too. That's what these guys do. You can say what you want. That's the way it goes. And when the Miami Dolphins come out, and by the way, their coordinator got fired for doing it. He blitzed on 40% of Josh's drop back. And, it, and you know, he crushed them. So, I mean, they were a Dawson Knox drop and a Khalil Shakir uh, drop from having at least 10 more points. I mean, you're talking 44 points. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, and and I'll say this too. You know, the Dolphins had some drops too early in that game that might have changed the complexion of that sure. game. They sure did. Uh, they make a difference. But I think it was more interesting if you think about how Cincinnati is going to play defense against this. I think they're going to defend this stuff a little bit more. I think it's going to be more about their front. 
and what the teams the last couple of weeks, the Patriots and the Dolphins did against Josh up front rather than in the back end. Because let's face it, we've got Steph Diggs, yeah, and Gabe Davis is good, and he's had some moments, but he's not as consistent as, you know, T. Higgins or Jamar Chase or Boyd. He hasn't had those kind of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to worry about Diggs, and then everybody else, you got my, these, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals might be thinking, eh, I don't know, I think we can handle those other guys. Cole Beasley, you know, a rookie like Shakir. So I think they're thinking about defending Josh Allen. We heard Greg Cosell saying the Buffalo's offense is as quarterback-centric as any offense in the league, maybe too much. We've seen the last two teams the Bills played, the Patriots and the Dolphins, teams with a lot of experience against him, hold him to less than 20 20 yards or less rushing in both those last two games. They are not letting him get out of the pocket and win. Uh, that's something I think Cincinnati will look long and hard at trying to duplicate. Josh had four for 20 against against uh, the Dolphins and nine for 17 against the Patriots two weeks before, something like that. What, against pressure? Yeah, no. Uh, no, I'm talking about rushes, rushing attempts oh, and oh, yards. Oh, oh, okay. So that's what it was going to be. Uh, I think that's a way to really curtail the fact that Josh tuck it under his arm and, and run up the back of the defen- de- defensive backs and gain a first down with his legs. They don't want him to do that. So I think that's, I think, more likely for us to see that against the, my, the Cincinnati defense rather than, you know, cover zero, cover one. I think it's going to be three-man rush with an aggressive spy, four-man rush with a spy, uh, somebody sloughing off one of the running backs and catching up, you know, coming up into the pocket if they're blocking, all that kind of stuff. Like you used to call it a green dog, which is, say, I got man-to-man on Devin Singletary and the ball is snapped, I come up to cover him and he blocks somebody, then I become a blitzer. Hmm. I go for Josh Allen. If he's blocking, I'm going to block. I'm going to go after Josh, you know, that kind of thing. All of that's a possibility. I think that's where Cincinnati's focus is going to be. It's going to be on the pocket where Josh is throwing it from rather than worrying too much about the secondary. I think for them, it's digs and a bunch of guys. I think that's the that's way other the Bengals. See. I think that's the way other teams see this this offense. Gotcha. Jess in the mailbag asks, "Do you think Jordan Poyer will return to Buffalo next year?" Yeah, his contract's up. I think he turns 32 years old this calendar year. Um, there have been injuries, but he is a productive player. Um, I don't know if you can rule it out, but. Knowing the free agent dollars are probably going to Tremaine Edmonds, who at age 25 is just entering the prime of his career and is coming off a monster season. I don't know. Uh, It's possible. Um, Maybe he agrees to come back on a one-year deal uh, just to maybe take another run at everything, you know, with Micah Hyde next year. I don't know. Um, But a long-term fat contract, I, I just don't think it's good business for any football team. To do that with a 32-year-old player, um, I think it's, unless it's a quarterback, if Jordan, yeah, if it doesn't get a deal doesn't get done, I think coming back here and Jordan Poyer playing here next year, it's going to be 100% up to Jordan Poyer. Yeah, um, they there's no doubt in my mind that the Bills will make him an offer yeah. of some sort. What kind of offer that is, who knows? Whether it's a one-year or a two-year or what the numbers are going to be, whether they're going to be significantly less than maybe a, a free agent contract that he might land with somebody else. 
But you're right. 32 years old, a little bit of an injury-riddled season. How you know how willing are teams going to be to roll out the red carpet for him? Um, and what the difference between that red carpet would be and whatever offer the Bills would offer? Because there's no doubt the Bills want him. But like you said, there are be, mitigating circumstances. It'll, it'll be they'll make him an offer and they'll talk him through it and why they've offered it to him and he'll understand it and whether he thinks he can get more, which he probably will someplace. It'll be whether he wants to be here more than he wants to go someplace else and start from scratch. So um, it will totally be 100% up to Jordan Poyer to consider the offer the Bills are going to make, whatever that may be. Yeah. And that's how Brandon Bean usually approaches the offseason. He says, hey, this is what we think your value is to us. If you can do – this is what we can afford based on some of the other considerations we have. If that's good for you, then let's talk – let's get down to business. If not, and you want to see if you can – Make more money to do right by your family, by all means. And if you can get it, good for you. Right. They did, they've done that with other players in the past who have gone elsewhere. Jennifer from the Friday Mailbag asks, which receivers do you think will be on the roster for the game Sunday? Will they dress six? Oof. I think it's a possibility, but I'm not convinced it will happen. I think it's going to largely be based on the game plan and the matchups that they fe- where they feel they have advantages. If they think John Brown is a better option than Isaiah McKenzie, well, then John Brown's going to be up. Um, you know, I, I was saying this this morning on the Howard and Jeremy show here in Buffalo on WGR. I, I wonder if it's down to McKenzie and John Brown as to who's up and who's down. Because I think Beasley and Shakir gave you enough last week to convince you to keep them in the well, lineup, didn't they? The didn't they? Yeah, here's the thing. If it's, if it's Diggs, Davis, McKenzie – you could still, you could still activate Beasley, Shakir, and Brown, and that's six. Right, but now you're pulling from somewhere else. And if you take, then you got to sit somebody. Whether it's you probably know, a special teamer. Yeah, maybe, maybe if it's what is it going to be? Taiwan Jones? I don't know. Uh, is it going to be? Could I mean? Yeah. Or do you go? Uh, you'll have eight. You got to have eight offensive linemen. Um, I think I don't know if they dress six. They haven't all year. So, it's probably five, and if it is, I think you're making a choice between John Brown and Isaiah McKenzie, and if you need somebody to at least threaten to take the top off a defense, and you want to move Diggs around, like in the slot, and work the underneath to intermediate areas with him, then you may need John Brown to kind of clear out space and force defenses to respect you deep. You might make a choice between Cole Beasley and Shakir. Beasley and Shakir, and then work Hines into that because he's fast enough to take the lid off. Although he's so not could a, Hines do what McKenzie does? Right, exactly. Maybe a gadget guy or whatever. Um, or Cook, you know. Because I think, not for nothing, but I think Beasley and Shakir showed you they can contribute, especially when that defense puts all its focus on digs. And what are we, what have we been saying all week? Josh needs more of the easy button completions, yeah. and Beasley and Shakir provide that. Do Beasley and Shakir outweigh McKenzie's speed? I think, and or are they more dependable at this point? I don't know. That's what they're going to have to That's weigh. A, out. I don't know. It's five or six, I would say. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know. I just don't feel like it's going to be six. I could be wrong, but we'll find out on Sunday when the inactives come out. 
Joe asks, with the unpredictability of the offense late this season, should the Bills do less gunslinging and rely on the D to make the difference? Bengals O-line is down three starters. With the offense using more of their emerging running game. You're going to have to score points to win this game. So relying on your defense and trying to win 20-16, to that's just not the way you're going to win in the playoffs. It's just... You're not. Just ask Tennessee how the playoffs have gone the last yeah, few that, years trying to take a conservative offensive Baltimore. approach. And Baltimore. Um, They're at home. Folks, that ship has sailed. I get it. You, you can't wanna, play that way anymore. You, I get it. You, you want to run the ball. And I get it, too, because when you run the ball and you can run it really well and get first down stuff, the other team looks defenseless. Yeah. I mean, you just muscle your way through. We're going to run the ball and win. We're going to do it. Uh, you seem defenseless, and that's – you know, that's always a great place to be for a fan. It's just not – no. It's not more – less gunslinging. Less deep ball, okay. Take some easy – more efficient in the passing game? Certainly, sure. I can get there and let the big plays happen organically instead of trying to manufacture them. Yeah. But, no. You run the ball if you can. Run it in spots where you think you're able to. But, man, this is a, this is a game where you've got to throw the football and score points to win. I don't think there's any two ways about it. Certainly you need to stress higher percentage throws in a game like this. If the Bills don't turn it over in the passing game, they're virtually unbeatable. They're unbelievably difficult to win against because their defense is solid, more than solid. It's a top ten defense. It's a top ten defense, top five defense, top three defense in a lot of important categories. They're hard to move the football against. So if, you, if the Bills' offense goes out and plays well and doesn't turn it over and give them short fields and stuff like that, it, they're really hard to get up on and beat. Yeah. You just can't do it. Um, so all of the things you said, yeah, it sounds all well and good, but your defense ain't going to beat a team like Cincinnati you know, to the point where you don't have to score points. Yeah. You, may, you may hold Cincinnati, make them go the long way, may, maybe make them punt. You know, a few times. But maybe. you better score right. yourself. But you got to score. Yeah, you got to score. We have to take a break here. Some final thoughts from the OBL Friday fan mailbag next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, with you. Timmy from the OBL Friday fan mailbag asks, "Who are your X factors for both offense and defense for the Bills in this game?" Go, Gabe Davis on offense and. Boogie Basham on defense. Ooh, that's a little out of the – yeah. I'm going to go Kyir Elam on defense. No, no, I'm going to switch that. Greg Rousseau on defense, and I'll tell you why in a second. On offense, I don't know what it is, but I think the the Beasley connection has been reignited. I see him getting a lot of easy button throws for Josh in this one, so I think he could be pretty active. The reason I picked Rousseau, Joe Burrow – leads the league in batted passes, 20 on the season. And we know that mm-hmm. Groot has a long wingspan. Batted I really passes. want them I really want them to kick him down inside a lot just to get his hands up so he just shuts off the middle of the field. They don't even have to get to Burrow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. I get it. It all sounds good when we're sitting here chit-chatting about it. Well, the the Ravens used Odafe Owe. Yeah. Or Odafe Owe. I don't know where the accent and on which syllable is, so forgive me. 
But Owe, they would, he's a 6'4", 6'5", guy, and they kicked him down inside, and he was causing all kinds of problems for that O-line for Cincinnati. So we got a guy that's even taller than that. So right. throw him down them, in yeah. there. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, we'll see. Uh, this, the Bills must make hay against a hobbled Cincinnati offensive line. That's a critical component to this game. How much they can force Cincinnati to get out of their comfort zone in their offensive play calling because they can't protect as they want to, I think it's huge in this game. They have not been able to run the football effectively for a long time. Yeah. And they've got to take advantage of that. They can't let them get that on track. And they've got to get to Joe Burrow fast with as few people as possible. Um, we'll see. I mean, that's what it's going to take. It's going to be a big one. Uh, this is this is <laughs> this is what they call a big one. Uh, it's a it's a Titanic tilt of a game. I know it's beca- it's playoffs to begin with, but just the fact that you got these two young QBs going at it for the first time, oh, technically, yeah. because that game didn't count three weeks ago. Uh, I'll see you Sunday. It's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> we will see you Sunday. And then Steve and I will see you on Monday at noon. Enjoy the game. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 